We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Josh Bow and Kirk Henderson coming to you for a Sunday night edition. It's August 8th as we're recording of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Josh, how you doing? I, I'm doing okay. Uh, we had a nice little uh, MMB get-together over the weekend, which was nice with some current and former uh, staffers. So I feel like it was a nice little... I haven't been able to do much lately, so that was a nice little get out That's of the true. house. That's true. I really... Have fun. I, I hadn't been out of like I don't think I've like that's the first time I've been to a bar in like two years like, yeah. even before COVID. I was like <laughs> yeah. I just don't go to bars. We had a nice time, um, you know. And and part of why Josh and I hadn't podcasted in a while it starts and ends with the fact that we didn't want to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then it's also you know kind of what are we going to say? And you know Friday night Mark Stein hosted a green room uh which he does these and he's really like you know for uh, one of the oldest like one of the i followed him longer than any other reporter pretty much. right he's part of the old guard you could say just and he's just really nice and friendly and like is actually willing to have conversations which you know having been in this media sphere for a while some of these people are not like that and it was really cool well Mm -hmm. he had me up on stage and i kind of you know i kind of walked him through why i'm frustrated and it you know, the Mavericks offseason at the moment consists of Reggie Bullock, um, um, Moses Brown, Sterling Brown, Brown. Yep. and then they're going to sign Luca to his extension. We don't know the exact contract details, but that's that. And I, I, I just sort of told Stein that, you know, I feel that the Mavericks have sort of vastly sort of overplayed their hand to a degree because they seem to only want to be in play for all-star or slightly sub all-star level players and when you watch sort of what's happened around the league the last few years and when you see how close that the Mavericks are to being a second round team it just it's just frustrating to where you wonder what would happen if they had slightly better players at a couple of spots or at least a little more depth and and you know I think we can look at this this free agency and say they addressed a need in shooting 
that will really help them. Um, Josh Richardson was a poor fit and really kind of dragged certain aspects down. So I, I, I expect their offense to be humming, even if KP is not at full speed. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what they are able to do. But I also see, you know, they did not, uh, other than kind of shooting as a, a concept, did they address any of their kind of glaring flaws? Uh, maybe perimeter defense slightly. Which is a team concept, and I think these rule yeah. changes that the NBA put in, like that, they, that they're really focusing on next year, is going to help. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I I don't feel, you know, three four seed would be incredible. Um, but I also could see if you know injuries derail things, they could be bubble team. You know, kind of right on the edge. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the pickups is that they were good pickups, but they were two more of the archetype of player that they already have like eight of mm-hmm. in terms of stationary spot up perimeter shooters. Um, I was actually kind of taken aback when I did my Reggie Bullock uh, research and saw that, you know what it was like 93% of his made field goals were assisted last season, um, which is, I knew it was going to be high. I just didn't know it was going to be that high. That's, that's a pretty mm-hmm. high number. And Sterling Brown was like in the high seventies, like 76%. And that was on a bad Rockets team where he kind of probably could have done whatever he wanted. Um, so, you know, it's not going to address the main off- problem on offense, which is, you know, Luca has to do everything. It's like the way I see it this season is probably going to resemble 2019-2020 an awful lot. It's going to be Luca doing everything, but it's going to be a supercharged offense where it's going to be Luca four shooters, him doing everything, whipping the ball around the court. I think it'll be more fun to watch than last year because last year was a little bit of a slog, even yeah. after the COVID stretch. Like I think the style they played because, you know, they played Maxi in the starting lineup and they played Josh Richardson and it was just, you know, they weren't necessarily that much worse when you when you think about it, but just aesthetically it was not as, as pleasing because uh, Richardson fit was not very clean and you'd have like three or four possessions in the first half where you're just watching Richardson kind of dribble in a circle and, and shoot a 15 footer. So like it's th- that stuff's gone. Like it's going to be, it's going to be four spot up shooters around Luca. It's going to be a lot of pick and rolls I would imagine. And just Luca running the show and, and Luca running the show is, is a hell of a show to watch. But uh, you know, the, the problem for me is it's going to be, I think they're going to be a fantastic regular season team, but they didn't really do, you know they barely uh, addressed their playoff issues, which was defense and secondary uh, playmaking. And you know they kind of sniffed it a little bit with Reggie Bullock, but he's not going to be a guy that changes. You know, defense is like you said, it's a team defense. They need Bullock to be good, but they need the guys that they already have to be better. They need Luca to be better. They need Kristoff to be better. Like there's not really one acquisition they could make unless it was like a Draymond Green type guy that would turn around their defense. So I don't really see. I don't really see where they where the playoffs are going to be a tremendously different result compared to the last two years because the team makeup is still very much the same. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, obviously they're not going to play Kawhi Leonard next season. Yes. Like that's yes, that's but... going to be a big part of this. But you know, just because I don't expect Kawhi to play the entire season, but it's it's you know the way this narrative goes, and and with the Goran Dragic news, I think that's at least worth addressing. Is is Toronto seems to think that that he wants to play there and that he's willing to play there. Could be they're probably bluffing. I think he's like they're completely full of shit on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a man who's lived in Miami for a long time, has young young children. 
He's 36. He plays a style of basketball that is extremely physical and taxing on his body. I mean, I, I'm still kind of wondering if in the back of my head that he just doesn't decide to hang up things. And now Miami, as, as we, I'm kind of glad to see this, frankly, but now my, that whole thing is under a tampering investigation, um, which, you know, it, it won't affect the outcome of who goes where, but it's, it, it does just, it, what it really does is make Miami, what make the Mavericks look clueless even more so because that deal was like super done before free agency was open. And all we heard was, Oh, well they're, they're number two. And it's like, you know, being number two is like, I I don't, I, I, and I, and I argue with our wonderful fans about this, but it's just like, I don't give out like participation trophies for being second place. Like who cares if you were second place, but the guy doesn't come to your team, who cares? And you know, there's kind of, as as should be expected with the Mavericks and the way that they operate, there's like just this budding narrative between, uh, you know, from both team officials and then team friendly officials of, well, what are they supposed to do? What were they supposed to have done? And my answer is that's what the money is for. That's what Mark Cuban is the billionaire. You know, I don't hold Nico Harrison responsible for any of this. He, he the man's not a general manager. Uh, he is he is now, but I mean, he wasn't. You know, he's been a general ago. manager for thirty days. So basically, like, like, yeah. So it's like these are all Mark Cuban engineered deals with with you know Finley and Harrison or in the in the room, and and so it's just one of these things where, you know, I'm sorry that I'm deigning to hold the billionaire team owner responsible for for you know messing up the third straight free agency when he as a generational superstar. Um, I'm just, I get very frustrated by these responses from, from our fans where it's like, you know, just the con like, like, are we just this trained as fans to defend the front office? Like, I don't care about the front office. I root for the players. I root for the laundry, you know, like, like Mark Cuban could be switched out with James Dolan tomorrow. And I wouldn't feel any different about the Mavericks because I love the Mavericks and just this entire notion of, of we should be caring about these things or that we're not grateful for, for the team that we have in front of us is it's, it's, it's beyond weird. It's just a constant narrative every year. And, you know, we get into these little, you know, proxy battles with, with team officials over it. And, you know, none of it matters at the end of the day, but I just can't believe that we have them to begin with because it's, it's this constant notion of, well, you should just be happy. You should just be happy to be doing this. And, you know, the fact of the matter is I was in on Luka Doncic before Mark Cuban. It took Haralaba Vulgaris and Donnie Nelson selling Mark Cuban to go in on Luka. So congratulations to them for drafting Luka. But that doesn't, now that you have done the hard part, you need to do even more. And I really do understand that they're kind of hamstrung by the Kristaps Porzingis situation. The only option now is to be hopeful that he's healthy. But to a certain degree, I just don't have the patience for this narrative of, well, what are they supposed to have done? It's supposed to be hard, guys. Figure it out. And, and you know, I really look forward to one day hearing the story of how Luca reacted to the fact that the Mavericks didn't want to pay whatever the cost was associated to go and get Goran Dragic. It's just, I'm a little off course here, but <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's. One of these situations where, you know, as we head into kind of the quieter time of the offseason, you know, the, the budding narrative that will, will result from this offseason is, well, they re-sign Luka Doncic. It's a victory.
you know, you don't get awards for layups. Luca was going to take a fifth of a billion dollars every day of the week and twice on Sundays. I don't care what, you know, our, our more rabid Slovenian fans think that he is, he's not a fan of money, which I, I mean, I, I have had two dozen conversations with people where it's like, ah, he just doesn't care about the money. And I'm like, you don't know that he can have both. <laughs> Come on guys. Anyways, don't take that uh, personally. If you're one of the half dozen or uh, the, one of the two dozen, I love you guys. I think the, I also hate the, well, what should they have done question more because these last three, you know, last season they didn't have any cap space. So there wasn't really much room to, you know, the, the, the complaints were more smaller targeted at like, you know, Trey Burke, Willie Colley Stein, you know, but that's, you know, that's not, you know, changing the trajectory of the team in a way that, that needs to merit huge discussion. So when we look at 2019 and when we look at, 2021 the theme to me is it's not that the Mavericks chased stars and and struck out I mean it was pretty evident you know there was not you know there was not long meetings there was not a lot of necessarily waiting for like that all-star to sign like it was in like 2013 and 14 and, and 2012 uh what what really is peculiar these last three years or more interesting is that they just didn't seem interested in anybody like, I don't know, you know, we don't know, but it just seems by the reporting and reading the tea leaves and then just using our brains, I really don't think that they're much interested at all in anyone other than Kyle Lowry in terms of spending a lot of big money. And in 2019, I don't think they were interested in spending big money in anyone other than uh, Kemba. You know, maybe Danny Green was next, but that, you know, Danny Green would, I would say, is a, a lower tier than what Kemba was. So... To me, it's less about the Mavericks like having these big pipe dreams and, and chasing them to the detriment of the roster. To me, it's the Mavericks have a specific goal of we view this these short list of players as worthy of our money, are like getting a big contract. And if you're not on that list, we feel that we can sign better, cheaper contracts to outperform those contracts and we can feel like we can get more bang for our buck if we pursue this tier free agent and we're never going to be the team that signs a Spencer Dinwiddie to three for 60. We're never going to be a team that signs uh, DeMar DeRozan to what was it like three for 85. We're never going to be a team that signs uh, Bojan uh, Badanovich, you know, that Utah did that deal. I think it was like four years for 70 something. Like I don't, I think that's gone, like that feels gone unless you know things change when Kristaps is either off the team or or has changed you know till that situation has has turned in in a positive way whether he's off the team or he's playing better. So I, I just don't like that's just kind of the strategy. And you know what? What's really stupid about all this is you could be like you know what that's not bad. Like they're pretty good at finding guys, which uh, they are. They they're really good really at are. These guys, you know, Delon Wright. And Josh Richardson have been kind of two black marks. But other than that, they've been really good at finding guys in that range and getting them to overperform their contract. What makes me mad is that, if, okay, if that's your free agent strategy and you're going to be very picky about how who you give your money to and you want to be very flexible with your cap space in terms of we don't want to lock in our roster to this specific thing, why why do they rely on free agency so much like why are you disregarding the draft why are you throwing away draft picks why are you not utilizing your cap space to acquire more draft capital and trade ammo you know why aren't you using the other methods of team building to your advantage why does it feel like you're putting 
everything into free agency and then free agency gets here and you're picky. Like uh-huh. it doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. I think the reaction to these off seasons would be drastically different. If in these past three years, this team had used the draft more efficiently. And when I say use the draft more efficiently, everyone yells at me and says, well, Josh, you only, you know, the rate of a, of a player being drafted like 18th of him being something is really, really low. So I'm like, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about like using the draft in terms of, trading draft picks for for better players like they don't even you know valuing the draft is not just drafting and developing players it's about acquiring assets that you can use to move for those impact players if you don't want to wait and develop a draft pick so i feel like those two avenues are just kind of closed to them for whatever reason and and part of the reason you know for trades is is they kind of put everything into Kristaps and we we kind of see how that's going. So so they kind of emptied their chamber for there, but they they have they have no interest in replenishing it and they have no interest I I feel in properly utilizing the draft. Like you know, we heard we heard the stories about how Harlebob kind of kind of you know, pushed for Josh Green with his analytic model and it was clear to everyone and this is no offense to Josh Green but Josh Green was a player that was going to take a couple years or he would take he would need to play a lot of games and everyone told me about Dorian Finney-Smith and be like look what the Mavs did with Finney-Smith they can do the same with Josh Green and I'm like guys Dorian Finney-Smith played 160 games for, for three seasons yeah because <laughs> those teams didn't give a shit about winning right. uh the Mavs do so like there's a disconnect between you know the analytics staff which is you know Bob Volgaris and, and and the scouts because because it you know and you've got Rick, you have to consider who your coach is at the time Rick Carlisle and it's like even if you think this guy could be great why are you drafting a guy that's going to require something that you can't give him for a very long time and you know draft someone that could be more ready to contribute and that's the part where it's it's very frustrating because if the Mavericks had utilized draft better you know, what if they took on Eric Bledsoe and, and Steven Adams and got the 10th pick in the draft, you know, from New Orleans? Uh, and then what if they flipped that 10th pick for someone better? And it's like, you know, you'd be still capped out and those contracts stink, but they expire by the time Luca is like 24 or 25. So who talk really about cares? that a little bit. You talked about that in our pre-show and, and I think it's, it's worth e- extrapolating on now because I do like, like on the one hand, you know, the Mavericks are, are now, you know, Assuming they lock in Luca, and and not everyone's going to Slovenia to embarrass themselves later this week, um, the Mavericks have Luca for at least you know let's say he signs a five year contract. Right, they have three years until he really could have leverage to 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 start making threats. Yeah, but it's usually two C. Yeah, so are you talking about like? the narrative about like not wanting to sign these deals to guys and, and cap your yeah, ceiling. Right. Right. Cause they're worried about their book. And I want to talk about this after, okay. but you know, the, the Mavericks now have a, a full cap sheet for next year, like right. for next season. So <laughs> they have a pre-built excuse for why they're not going to do things in the future. And it pisses me off because of your point here. So go, so, so let's extrapolate. Yeah. A it seems, it seems weird to be worried about giving these mid tier or, you know, free agents big money and it made sense maybe a little bit when you're we're talking about the Dirk Nowitzki era and he's 31 or 32 and you're like man if we sign this guy to a four-year 80 million deal and we're not very good or he doesn't perform or if he does perform but we're he's not as good as we need him to be like there like there goes Dirk's prime like we just we just blew it uh that makes like some sense I still disagree but like I can at least see that argument through you know from start to finish I can see the end the end game there but Luca's 22. 
if you sign Spencer Dinwiddie to a three-year, $60 million contract and Dinwiddie does not turn out uh, as good as you'd hoped or it just does not work out, at the end of that contract, Luca's 25. And he's still got like eight to 10 years of prime left in him. Like, so I'm very, like, I under, like I'm, I understand you don't want to waste any Luca years, so maybe you're scared there. But, like, this idea that if they commit big money now that they're, that they're capping their team, well, three, you know, what have they done the last three seasons? Like, they've, I, I've seen two first-round playoff exits, and, you know, I don't know what's, what it's going to be this year, but I, I don't see anything more than maybe a second-round berth. And so it's like – you know, it's hey, that's nice that you have the flexibility, but you're still not, you know, you're still not progressing anyway. So why not just sign some guys, see what happens? You know, you can maybe you can trade your options, I think, open up a little bit more in terms of trades because now you've got these bigger contracts or you got more interesting names on the market, at least, instead of these, you know, Dorian Finney Smith at four million. Like that just doesn't move the needle. Uh, as much as we love Dorian, that's not even a shot against him. His contract is just too small. Um, so like I just don't understand what you're worried about because like if they sign someone to a three or four year deal right now, it doesn't work. That contract expires. Lucas still 25 or 26. And guess what? You got the room opening up again and you can try again. And like, isn't that your goal as a front office is to evaluate guys and put the best talent around your team. I mean, if you keep punting until you get the perfect scenario, you could be punting forever. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's, that's really, and that's, I think the bottom line of, of what you and I, and anyone who has been, frustrated with them since 2019 are, are are getting at because the perfect situation simply does not exist especially when and, you're not a miami los angeles new york market well but but then you know let's just use miami as a good jumping off point not only is miami a bit of a glamour market but they also have creative capology everything the mavericks do is so it's explainable like every year though it seems like the Lakers in Miami and some of these big teams have the ability to do stuff that the Mavericks either can't or aren't able to do because they don't understand how the cap works. And this is where I'm I'm delving into to regions where I, I, I don't entirely know enough what I'm talking about, but I'll I'll tell you this. You don't win championships with good plans. You execute. It's the execution that matters. So just because the Mavericks, and I argue with our guy Xavier about this all the time, he's, you know, it's like, well, well what, what they were doing made sense. And, and no one cares. No one cares. With what the Lakers did right now by going to get Russell Westbrook, for example, looks terrible on paper. It does. Just looks terrible. Him and LeBron are like immovable force and unstoppable object. If they win the title, no one fucking cares that it looked bad on paper. It's about the result. And, and, and that's where that's where this just it starts to be a little bit confusing for me because you and I, and, and really a lot of Mavs fans, and I guess this is where like Chuck Cooperstein was coming from, where he's, you know, the Mavericks are probably going to be like three, four, five, six seed next year. Probably is is kind of the key word doing a lot of lifting in that sentence. But at the same time, I don't feel like the Mavericks are doing everything they can. And when you have a generational player, you should do everything you can every offseason. Every offseason should be an all-in offseason. Every. And it, it like yeah. LeBron's been doing it. You know, he got <laughs> hurt that one. But, but he's forced his teams to go all-in every single time. And 
yeah, he 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 should make no apologies for that because he has a, has a number of rings and and it you know you these bites at the apple are limited. There's only so much that you can control. And at the end of this, and this goes back to kind of our freak out, or really my freak out during the 2019 off season, where there will be if if you know Luca demands a trade in 2024, something like that, or if you know we start getting these awkward rumblings, there will be a straight line as to what happened and why. And it'll be the sort of thing where the narrative is, well, the Mavericks couldn't really do very much. And bullshit is, is kind of my comeback <laughs> to that. And and Huck agrees. <laughs> and it's really funny when it's like, what do you want them to do? And you see these other franchises doing all these other, like, <laughs> you know, you see Chicago, like sign Lonzo ball at the start of free agency. Uh, you see Charlotte do, do stuff. You see Indiana, you know, Indiana had a, had a nice off season a couple in 2019 you seem you know like <laughs> like i'm confused i'm confused like are the mavericks just the only team that have to play by these rules like or why do these other teams get to do stuff like i don't i don't understand i mean you think yeah. well where are those teams going yada yada and it's like well yeah but those teams don't have luca so yeah um right, if they right. had luca be different conversation, wouldn't it? Like, like if you slap Luca on the Chicago Bulls in like place instead of, of Zach Levine or something, or yeah, yeah or no, Levine. in place of Levine, who is their best player. Yeah, it, 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 there is a sea change for how that team is talked about. That's a finals it is, team. It is a finals team, and it's just this sort of this sort of like like just dancing around the object. I just I don't know. I mean, again, you guys have heard me, and you've heard Josh. <laughs> We're not mad. We're annoyed. Like they're gonna be fine. Uh, you know, barring some, you know, even like, let's just assume 45 games for Porzingis. They're still going to be fine. It's just, I wonder at what point does Lucas say enough? That's where I'm kind of coming from. But, yeah. I, all right. I, I don't see where it's like, you know, remember when I talked about, I don't see where it changes in the playoffs. Well, the, the benefit might be like you said, Hey, if they finish with the three or fourth seed, they can finally maybe play a team that they're better than in the playoffs. And maybe that's how they advance. <laughs> right. But in the second right. round, like whenever they eventually meet one of the top four or five teams in the playoffs, I don't see how this team's made up. How, you know, I see Luca with another four, another playoffs run of 40% usage. And Unless Luca can find some some time between now and September to do some amazing cardio and, and training camp before training camp starts, I'm just I'm very worried about that strategy long term. Not not just winning regular season. Like we're done worrying about winning regular season games, right? Like they've proven themselves that yeah. Luca sets a baseline of competence and and the regular season. Like it's it's got to be. We when we talk about moves and moves they need to make and results, we're talking playoffs now, not. It shouldn't be regular season. To me. Right. Right. Well, we talked about that longer than I meant to, but we got <laughs> two kind of more items to follow up on. Um, so since we last recorded, uh, Slovenia finally lost. Uh, they lost to France in one of the coolest. I mean, just it, it was a great game. It was a. It, it's just kind of the classic, you know, everybody leaves it all out there kind of game where mm-hmm. Slovenia looked like they were dead three to five times and they just kept roaring back. Um, what was particularly interesting is like the same sort of things which bit the Mavericks ended up biting Slovenia, um, some missed free throws. Um, and then, you know, the, I think Slovenia picked up two techs. There's some kind of, you know, the the rim rules with FIBA make goaltending kind of hard. And there were a couple of missed goaltending calls, which, you know, would have been the difference in the game. Uh, 
but it was it was fun to watch. And then they went on, and I I forgot about this one just because it was like a weekend morning. And then they then they played uh, Australia, and from the like seven minute like condensed game, I was able to find um, they really put Luca in jail, <laughs> which was. Yeah, he ended up playing really well. He's very frustrated after the game. You could tell it's just like like so much emotion, and and it's it's easily it's it's just so great watching a guy that cares that much. Yes, I think the you know the Australia loss wasn't a surprise. Like they no, were, Australia's good. Yeah, Australia's good, <laughs> and it's hard to come back from that loss to France. Mm-hmm. Like getting blocked at the rim. It's <laughs> when you think when like. That basically, uh, you know, if you would if you would have had that layup, you basically guaranteed a silver medal. Like to go from that to 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 having to come back and now play for for bronze, which I know is still a tremendous would have been a tremendous accomplishment for Slovenia, but just emotionally, that's that's a, that's a tough one to recover from. So yeah. it wasn't surprising to to see them, but still, for they can basically call themselves the fourth best basketball team in the world. Absolutely, uh, which is and just I'm, an incredible accomplishment. What I'm curious about, so for the 2024 Olympics, which is in um which is in Paris, uh, I'm I'm curious if 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 Slovenia has to qualify again. Um there's some like some aspects of what happened, like when you win gold, like when you win the whole thing, you don't have to qualify again. Then the home country also doesn't have to qualify. Um, I'm pretty sure that they do just from the nature of things. Uh, but it's, it, I, I'm just, I don't know. The fact that they're going to be doing this again in three years is pretty neat. And like just watching, like there's no upside to Slovenia losing, but watching <laughs> how much he cared uh I listen to Ben Simmons talk about just kind of the Olympics bump that guys get. And I think that a lot of us have really been worried about like Luca burnout just from playing for so much. But I also think that, that something like this, like he's very much a, like in the Michael Jordan mold of, I took that personally type thing. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings next year, even with a, a short amount of rest, if he's able to figure whatever else he's able to add to his game. I mean, he's just God. That's three. What what is Luca going to look like in three years? I mean, he's just so <laughs> good. It's it, it never gets old talking about it. Uh, it. It just it really never gets old. Um, and like a little side note, it's really fun driving around Dallas and seeing just like the Luca stuff everywhere. Because I mean, I lived in the woods for like eleven <laughs> years. I mean, I was a guy from Virginia, as has been said on the Dallas radio. Um, so it's it's just it's really fun seeing him. Um, and the last thing I want to touch base on, and we'll probably talk about this more tomorrow night, if not probably not me and you, since I'm not going to make you podcast. But uh, we're we're going to be starting covering summer league as best we can, which means way too much overreacting to like single game samples. Um, Lucas Q is going to be covering a game for us tomorrow, if he remembers. And then I'll try to have him on. We can talk about this. Um, Doyle Raider and I are going to be in Vegas watching some of the games. I can't remember. There's a large number of Mavs fans who told me they're going to be going, despite kind of you know just the way the world is at the moment. But um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to covering Vegas. I'll be interested to see if uh, Josh Green actually is able to make it. They have him on the active roster. I bet he doesn't play until the Wednesday game, though. Yeah, that'd be crazy. So this is, I guess this is the Tyrell Terry show. Uh, yeah. We, I mean, at least with Josh Green, we saw something. And with, with Terry, uh, you know, just he, he wasn't going to play anyway. But he also was kind of had his personal issue which kept him away from the team for like three months it was a long time so 
I'm going to guess it's going to be the Terry and Nate Hitton show uh, at Summer League, and and we'll see where they go from there. They yep. got a decent amount of rookies that are, you know, I think uh, Ian for our site wrote up the three undrafted free agents that were intriguing after draft night. Uh, so I think Carlick Jones from from Louisville. I'm going to butcher these names. EJ Oni Onyu from from Shawnee State. I think those were the two main ones that I remember. Uh, oh, and Uji Omori, Omori, boy, this is great. Uh, people are probably throwing stuff at their their AirPods right now. Uh, but the guy forward from Oregon, so those are like the three guys Ian wrote about. So if, if you're not looking for the Mavs rookies from last year, those are probably the three to keep an eye on uh, and, and see if they can see if they can do anything. We'll see. It's going to be, you know, it's you can have your your televisions turned to NBA TV, though, uh, if you're a hardcore bat. I mean, and who isn't at this point? If you're listening to a Mavs podcast in mid-August, then you're a hardcore fan. <laughs> um, yeah. And Josh, you're going to get a, uh, a week of uh, not thinking about this. Um, and then we'll probably start dipping into kind of the off-season reserve ideas we've been thinking about because, uh, you know, as, as we found out, you know, you find out this every time you, you spend time around people that talk like like basketball stuff. You just end up talking about basketball stuff all the time, and those conversations would just make good podcasts. So you and I are uh, going to start throwing stuff out, and, you know, you'll get a couple, you know, at least a week off of not having to do this. Does that sound nice? That does sound nice. Um, <laughs> but, but before we go, we got eight minutes left. I'm sorry I might – I'm just throwing this at you without talking to you about a pre-show. Oh, but right. I think the, the off-season is pretty much over. We, we know that. We know that the Drogic trade doesn't seem to be happening, and it's going to be a buyout. So that could literally not be until 2022 uh, till that's resolved. So all the other names are basically off the board, and the only one that seems to be intriguing is Laurie Marketing. And I know we've talked about it in Slack, but I, and I'm sure you've talked about it on your green room pods. But in terms of us – on this pod together where we haven't really talked about it. Cause I don't think we, we didn't consider the Mavericks free agency would, would reach that dark place uh, to consider this. So I'm curious, what do you think about that? And do you think it'll happen? Lori Markinen? No, yeah. no. I mean, the discussions that are happening around social media about him have less to do with him, in my opinion, and more about how fans can be frustrated. And I, I understand this with how the Mavericks value their own guys. And I don't know what to think about. Like, like I'm glad you asked this because it's, it, I, I thought this would have been the off season to try to move on from a Dorian Finney-Smith or a Maxi Kleba or do something different. And they're choosing to run it back. And for good or bad, that, that kind of is what it is. And, the Lord, like Lori Markinen just sort of describes the fact that a lot of fans would like to see something different. Like they don't want to see Maxi Kleba shoot one of nine from three from games four or five, six and seven against the Clippers. Like they're done with that. Um, it's uh, you know, and, and that's not necessarily meant to be like Lori hate or anything like, or I'm sorry, Maxi hate or anything. It's just, it's, it's like we, these guys have had two off seasons to show us who they are and they have, and they're not big enough for the moment. Like that. You don't just grow at age 30. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, Maxi's 30. And Dorian is I think 29, almost yeah. 30. So yeah, it's kind of the room. These aren't developmental players anymore. They no, have been they're guys and they're good guys. It's yeah. just, we've kind of seen who they are. That's all. And that's all it kind of comes down to, to me. Yeah, I, I'm out on Lori, but he does intrigue me in terms of uh, 
<laughs> like if we want to get crazy, we're not going to get crazy because we got to go in about five minutes. But like if the Mavericks actually do move on from Kristaps Porzingis and they need someone to replicate spacing from the five, because I oh, think yeah, that's very important. Shooter. Right. I think that's very KP. Yeah. That's very important for what Luca wants to do. Uh, having a five to space the floor. Like I could see that, like bring him onto the roster. And then if they move KP, there's your floor spacing five. So that would, that would be, the intriguing part to me, like if he's on the team and, and KP's on the team for the rest of his contract, that's that'd be weird. That'd be weird yeah. for me. So that's my that's my lukewarm take. Yeah. Oh, and you know, while we're here, I just like a lot of I've gotten four DMs this evening of why Dallas hasn't you know made an offer to Josh Hart, for example. And the reason is they don't have any roster spots. A and then B, he's a restricted free agent, and anything they could offer would be instantly matched by New Orleans. So that's, that's and see that the Mavericks have eighty five players on their roster that average nine points a game and shoot thirty two percent from three. <laughs> enough, <laughs> enough of these guys. Right? <laughs> that's awesome. Yes, I'm glad he grabs eight rebounds a game. He shoots thirty two percent from three. Congrats. That's what you need yeah. from your guard. Sorry, uh, that one gets me mad. That's okay. Huck, Huck didn't like your take and just growled okay. at me. It was um, a hot take. That's good. I love it. All right, guys. Josh and I will be back eventually. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll be hanging out, talking hoops, and trying to make it through a uh, hoopless summer. Um, yeah, so we'll talk soon. Josh, this has been fun. Thanks for hanging out. Yep, see you later. Have fun in Vegas. All right. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow, Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Everybody have a great week.